0: But when we're talking about something like lunar mansions or fixed stars, there's just something that I really love about like the impermanence and the fragility to those paper and candle talismans, because like once these are gone, they're gone.
1: Speak the charm of make charm of make charm of make charm of make charm. charm There will come a time on the planet Earth when science and technology will be long forgotten.
0: Wizards will Wizards win.
1: Win. This is the Arnomancy Podcast featuring Reverend Eric. Join me on an exploration of the practice, philosophy, and history of the occult, esotericism, and the paranormal. Welcome back to the podcast. I am joined today by my returning guest, astrologer Ryan Butler of MedievalAstrologyGuide.com. Uh, Ryan, welcome back.
0: Hey, Eric. Thank you so much for having me back.
1: Yeah, It's, it's been a while. It has. It's been, I think, well over a year. Uh, pre-pandemic. Yeah, it was pre-pandemic. I, I do... Uh, In fact, when I was um, looking up your appointment today, I accidentally went back to the one from before, and I was kind of like, this is weird. I feel like we already talked about all this stuff once. (laughs) So today, we are going to be discussing uh, fixed stars and lunar mansions in astrological magic, both the confusion around them and our successes and failures and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so let's start out by just talking a little bit about the fixed stars and like, what are they? I mean, I assume everybody knows what they are, but just in case.
0: Sure. So if you don't know what fixed stars are, um, fixed stars are just sort of the the name that's attributed to all of the rest of the stars in the nighttime sky that are not planets, like not the sun, moon, or any of the other planets. And they're called fixed because they're sort of like fixed in place in reference to one another, whereas, of course, the planets and the sun and the moon move from night to night. The, uh, you know, the other stars just don't. They just kind of stick around. And so they're referred to as fixed
1: yeah but then i then weirdly enough uh over long periods of time (sighs) they appear to move in relation to like uh the position of the sun at the at the equinoxes and solstices which right yeah
0: yeah so that's why i specify now that it's not that the fixed stars don't move it's that they don't move in relation to one another (laughs) like the constellation shapes don't change right right so they're all just kind of like stuck in position up there but they all kind of slowly rotate together as like this giant kind of canvas
1: yeah yeah and that causes like the precession of the equinoxes and uh, yeah and the
0: differences between the tropical zodiac and the sidereal zodiac and mm-hmm. all sorts of yeah fun mathematical astronomical, astronomical things that i can't be bothered with really
1: yeah, although some of it is really fascinating, and yeah, um, and like the 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 fact that the fixed stars are so freaking far away uh, yes. is one of the reasons that it took us forever to realize that we live in a mutable cosmos. You know, we they they just appear to move so slowly. But if there mm-hmm. are still astrologers in ten thousand years. Some of those stars will have moved position relative to... Some of them will be gone, probably, too. Yeah, and we might get some new ones.
0: And we might get some new ones. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, very exciting.
0: So that's crazy to think about. I don't... Like, it's one of those things where I'm kind of happy to not be... You know, there are some astrologers that are like, man, I would love to be around and, like, you know, have that conversation about new stars or what happens when a star... You know, explodes, and I'm just like, I'm happy to not be involved in that. <laughs> it's already complicated enough. I don't need another layer.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we already have like modern astrology incorporating uh, the outer planets and right, or asteroids, asteroids and other things. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, and then there were all the, like the theoretical planets, like the mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, the yeah.
0: hypotheticals of the uh, Uranian school, I believe. Yeah,
1: uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Which I think some people still use,
0: don't they? Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, okay. absolutely.
1: Okay, but that's just that's a whole different school of
0: a story. yeah. You'll have to have a different guest on for that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even <laughs> I can't help you. I can't help you with that.
1: So, so then the fixed stars themselves. Um, those of you who don't look at the night sky very much, like the the night sky is broken up into a set of what, like forty eight constellations or something of that nature. Yeah,
0: traditionally it's forty eight, um, but now it's eighty eight.
1: Oh, okay. And so the fixed stars, uh, do they kind of have along with them like the flavor of the constellation they? were originally a part of, or how, how are the fixed stars used in, uh, in astrology, like in charts?
0: Um, so a lot of times, um, the meanings of fixed stars are derived in some way from the constellational figure itself. And sometimes also the myth that's associated with it. So like you'll have fixed stars that are like in the mouths of animals and, like, Ununculhai, which is in the mouth of the serpent, well, that's a fixed star that's associated with, like, poison. And that makes sense, right? It's, like, in the mouth of a snake. So this star, okay, so I see where this is going. And then you'll have, like, Procyon, which is in, the, like, the throat of the dog, which is associated with dog bites or, like, animal attacks. And it's like, oh, I see where this is going. And then, like, less dangerously, you'll have um, stars that are in, like, um, the Argo, the big ship, or in uh, the charioteer. And those are more associated with, like, travel and things like that. So, there is definitely, like, this, uh, these kind of, like, flavors pulled from the figures of the constellations, uh, as well as, like, some will have kind of, like, their own unique mythologies that are associated with them. Um, And then we'll have some which are seasonal to an extent. Like, some are associated with, like, harvest and thus, like, financial gain, like Spica, Mm -hmm. for instance, um, which is a star in Virgo that's associated with, like, the wheat of the, the, the chef of wheat or ear of corn Mm -hmm. that the, that the figure holds. And so agriculture, financial gain. Um, So there's a lot that's kind of, kind of pulled together there. And then of course over, you know, millennia astrologers have sort of like kind of recontextualized it for whatever the kind of cultural thing is of that time. So like now today, you know, we're taking a lot of these older associations and kind of like updating them to make them more relevant to today.
1: So that means that the constellations are like the legends associated with the constellations are kind of tied into the meanings of the the stars that are that are in them, right? So if you, right, yeah, like I, I I'm not going to be able to think of a really good example because I don't, nec- I don't have a really intimate. Uh, knowledge of where all of the fixed stars are, but, like, if you know about the constellation of uh, Heracles, can you pick a fixed star out of that constellation and sort of look at that as, like, uh, this is the star of, like, wearing a lion-skin hood, and this is the star of, like, big clubs or whatever?
0: Big clubs. Um, So I can't do Heracles because I'm not super familiar with that, but I can trade you another hero, like the Perseus constellation. Um, And that one's interesting because it is one that's divided up into kind of its own separate sections. You have like the stars of the hero and like his armaments, which are different than like the stars of uh, Medusa's head. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you have like the stars of Medusa's head, which are more like malevolently associated because it's like, ah, oh, this Gorgon uh, and that's not good. And this kind of like this general association, especially with Gol, the star that's in like the eye of the, of the Gorgon is one considered one of like the most malefic stars, oh, um, in the sky, and so there's this relation, of course, with like the Perseus myth and Medusa, uh, and like the petrifying gaze of the Gorgon that this star is associated with. But you even find it older than that, like further back than that, to where like before the Greeks reinterpreted this, reinterpreted the constellation or this set of stars as Perseus and Medusa. Um, the Babylonians saw it as uh, well; they called it the Old Man. Constellation, but even this older pre-Greek constellation had the same kind of figure of like this human carrying uh, a, a, a a disembodied head, hmm. except for this head is kind of recontextualized a little bit as being more um, protective. Okay, I'm not like a Babylonian scholar, so I can't super contextualize the like why this severed head specifically is considered to be more protective or uh, like spirit banishing essentially is what it's for. Mm-hmm. So even before this kind of Perseus Medusa myth got slapped onto it, these, these set of stars had this uh, had like this very specific imagery associated with it. Um, that was still considered in the Babylonian context. It's considered more spe- like more specifically protective. Um, and we see that kind of transferred over to, Our current tradition through in my opinion through the avenue of like astrological magic where the fixed star algol is specifically used for like protection talismans okay um which would be a little bit weird i think to like just refer back to like the greek myth by itself so
1: that has to do with like the way that like astrological traditions have uh, like a lot of them actually have roots in babylon
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, That's yeah. And there's a really great book on this um, called Babylonian Star Lore by Gavin White that I recommend to everybody. It talks about the uh, the original uh, Babylonian constellations and sort of how they've changed and what they meant to the Babylonians and things like that. Um, but it's a super great read.
1: Okay, cool. That sounds interesting. Now, so how many how many fixed stars do you usually look at? Like, how many are? I mean, <laughs> I know there's millions and millions yeah, there's of stars, so many. But <laughs> um,
0: so personally, um, I look at maybe about twenty, um, and that's primarily utilizing them within like a magical context. Um, so traditionally, we're given a list that's supposedly from Hermes Trismegistus um, that is fifteen stars that are considered like the root stars of heaven. These are like the like your A team, right? Like these are the guys that you need that you call on that have some sort of like rooting power. To some extent to like be able to give things um and so there are 15 of these and a lot of like really famous ones are on here uh sirius of course the brightest star in the sky and then regulus everybody knows about regulus and speak is on here just like kind of your more famous fixed stars i guess mm-hmm. um, and then there are a few others that i kind of throw on because i like them uh like canopus is one that i've always sort of liked um, and that one's kind of fun because um you can't see it everywhere uh, like it's kind of like oh. a more southerly star. So if you're above like, I think 34 degrees North, then it doesn't ever rise there. Uh, and so like I'm in the Southern United States, so I don't have that problem, but the more North you go, the more issue of an issue it is. And Wait. so I think that's really fascinating to kind of like figure out
1: how far south are you? I thought you were in like Colorado or something.
0: I'm in Texas, sir.
1: Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast over. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> uh, oh, cool. Okay. I guess. Uh, so that's interesting. Yeah. You know, um, I think a lot of folks don't realize how difficult certain astrological observations are based on latitude, actually. So right, like, yeah. Uh, even up as far north as I am in, in Portland, you know, we're at uh, like, Oh yeah. You like, can't see Canopus. No, we can't see Canopus. <laughs> and we can barely ever see Mercury. Oh Mercury. really? Yeah. Oh, that's neat. Um, I talked to uh, an astronomer about this, about why it's so difficult to observe mer- Mercury. And he totally gave me an answer that I only halfway understood. <laughs> Oh, but it those has, are the best kind of answers. Yeah, yeah. It, it was uh, it was fascinating, but it really, uh, I mean, I love stargazing. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just such a delight to, like, stand out there and look up and recognize them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then you kind of have, like, the whole light pollution issue. They have to juggle with that as well. Mm-hmm. To those of us in the cities can probably only see, you know, a handful of things.
1: Oh, yeah, but we can at least see the really bright stars.
0: <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. But then you go out, like, uh, this past fall... Uh, we went out to like a a, a dark sky park mm-hmm. and I was totally lost.
1: Oh yeah. You like st- astronomically anything. because
0: there was, it was just so much stuff. It was like all my landmarks, mm-hmm. you know, like all my typical landmarks were just like drowned out and just like the sea of like, of silver stars. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know
1: anything. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> and then, uh, if you go out there on a, on, on a good night and you, you know, let your eyes adjust enough and you get to see the Milky way. And it just, oh, yeah. you just realize that like, how alive the night sky must have looked.
0: You know? Oh, right. Totally. And why it's so well cataloged. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just like it's so, uh, it's just so uh, like eye catching, obviously, but it's just like so much out there and it constantly moves. And it's just like, of course it would be so well cataloged because that's like the thing. That's like the main event. <laughs> yeah. And it's
1: also how you get around, you know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you can navigate by day during the sun sometimes unless it's cloudy, <laughs> but at night, like you get those stars up there and as long as you're familiar with some of them, you can, Find your way. Um, So, okay. So the 15 stars uh, from Hermes Trismegistus, are those the same as the Bahanian stars? Yes. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They're the same, same list, but yeah, those are sort of our, our most well-documented at least. And so far as like a magical tradition, because we're given so much information from them to use, like, you know, we're given magical images to use, magical herbs, stone associations, planetary natures that they're like. Um, so, like, we're given a lot of information about those. So, those are really good ones to start with um, and to utilize a lot because then you can kind of take those meanings or those powers associated with those stars and, like, you know, recontextualize them and kind of flesh them out a little bit um, to get these kind of like different personalities or characteristics or things that they can do that maybe aren't exactly like 100% textual, but are just like easy kind of next steps or extrapolations for what they do. Um, and so, that's always really fun. And then there are some authors throughout history that add more stars in and like kind of pretend like they're Bohemian stars, like Marsilio Ficino um, in his three books on life. He records and talks about all the Bohemian stars and then he throws in like four or five other ones that like I don't know what I don't know what he was trying to do um, exactly. But he's like, oh, and this other star here. But then he doesn't give any information about like the images or stones or like plants associated with it. So it's like, great. Cool. That's helpful. Do you think that?
1: yeah, he might've had another source that we've just lost. He might've, and
0: he might've just had another list. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, okay. So then, so in a lot of ways, then they have, uh, associate, they have correspondences and associations and images. So you can, so you have kind of like the same, um, collection of, uh, you know, ritual tie-ins that you can use, uh, with planets.
0: Yeah, more or less. Yeah. So it's kind of like the same thing.
1: Yeah. So then how do you elect for them?
0: Sure. So fixed star elections are easy, but they're often, it's one of those things where it's like, they're really easy. I guess this is like elections in general. Like the rules are really easy, but finding them are very hard. Um, But yeah, so all you want to do with fixed star elections is each of the fixed stars, one of the the way that we sort of measure them, because you know, they're kind of everywhere. Whoa. Um, but the way that we kind of measure them is we kind of click and drag them onto the ecliptic. Um, and it's called the projected ecliptical degree. Um, so all these stars and some of these stars like Spica and Regulus are very close to the ecliptic. Um, so like they're right on it and it's not a big deal, but then you have other stars like Sirius who I think is like 35 degrees North of the ecliptic. So really far off. Mm-hmm. Um, but all we do basically is we kind of like click and drag the star down to the ecliptic and say, okay, if this star was on the ecliptic, this is the degree of the zodiac that it would be on. And so, like Sirius, since we're going to pick on it for a while, is at 14 degrees Cancer is what we have is a, is our projected ecliptical degree. So, all we want to do, uh, if we're electing for a talisman for um, Sirius specifically, is we want to find a time when 14 degrees of Cancer is on the ascendant or on the midheaven at our location. We want to have the moon applying uh, a conjunction to that degree. So you want the moon kind of like in within the area of like nine to 14 ish degrees of cancer um, ish. And then you um, would also want the moon to be applying to a planet that is said to be of the same nature of Sirius. Um, So each of the fixed stars um, or sometimes groups of fixed stars are associated with usually a pair of planets that they're said to be like. So it's like here's this fixed star Sirius. It's uh, I believe like the nature of Mars and Jupiter. Okay, I believe. Do you have? That to, sounds right.
1: Do you have to worry about whether you're uh, whether the moon is applying to a benefic or a malefic?
0: Well, you want it to get it to apply to Mars or to Mars or Jupiter okay. because those are the planets that are of the nature of Sirius.
1: And can it be any? Um, Any aspect, or do you want it to be? Uh,
0: I mean, it can be any aspect. Um, And this is sort of like the, it can be, but ideally it's these, right? Right. right. So it's like, yeah, it can be any aspect, absolutely, because any connection with a planet is better than no connection. Um, But then, you know, you'll, you'll prefer your sextiles or your trines to your squares and oppositions.
1: Right, right.
0: So it's like, yeah, absolutely, they can work, but do you want them to work? <laughs>
1: <laughs> in your um in your experience in your kind of like inner idea of how this works, like what is why would you need both the moon and one of the planets that the star is like? Like how do you know that you're electing for the star and not the planet, I guess.
0: Sure. Well, yeah. because part of it is you're not that um, al- you're not following other planetary election rules, um, and of course, you like your actual ritual itself and the materials that you're using are aligned with that star. Then they're not aligned with the planet.
1: Okay, that makes sense.
0: So um, it's like you're doing the like all the work that you're doing is for that star, and then just like having the moon applied to a planet that's of the nature of that star just helps um because of course the moon's main role in magic is to sort of like um precipitate it down to earth mm-hmm. and so by having the moon connect to a planet that's like the nature of that star it's just like you're you're kind of like keeping that connection more pure okay. than if you were connecting to a planet that's not of the nature of that star um, because then they're not similar like they don't have a they don't have similar characteristics okay so, so it's a it, bit more discordant
1: yeah yeah it's kind of like a signal booster or something
0: yeah 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 Okay, yeah. interesting <laughs> Um, and that's not to say that you couldn't do, like, a serious election and have the moon apply to, like, Venus or Saturn. Like, you could, but it would just be off or, like, different. Like, it wouldn't be because it, we don't have, like, that same – we're not on that same wavelength that okay. Sirius is on. Like, we're pulling in somebody else. And in some cases, that may change it. Um, so, like, going back to Algol, um, as an example, um, Algol is a star that is considered to be, like, very malefic, Right. Um, but its talismanic powers are more protective, um, and so kind of like Christopher Warnock talks about Algol talismans as being like I think he characterizes them as like a like a like a guard dog, and that while they're defensive, they tend to be more like offensive in their nature. So they're more about like neutralizing threats before they happen.
1: That's interesting. What's the image for Algol Then is it is it the head a, a decapitated menu? head? A decapitated yeah,
0: basically. Head. Oh. Yeah. Um so it's got this more like aggressive kind of like violent um methodology to its powers, right? Cuz sometimes you think about like oh protective tal- talismans and they're just like shields. Uh-huh. And there are some stars that are like that, but Algol's not like that. She's different. She's unique.
1: Algol's um, like the the angry dog in your yard. Yeah.
0: And like she just goes out and gets things, which is fine. Like I'm there for it. That's totally fine. But sometimes, and so for that, our um, goal's nature is of the nature of Mars and Saturn. So for our goal, you would want to have a connection with Mars or Saturn in your election chart. That's where you would want the moon to apply to. But if you wanted to, like, if you didn't like that aspect of our goal, you wanted to pull it back, then it would be totally fine to have the moon applied to like Venus or Jupiter. So this is still an Goal talisman that's still protective, but it's less aggressive.
1: Oh okay cool because that's, we pulled that's, in
0: yeah. this venus jupiter energy so yeah like i don't think it's wrong for to like to elect for fixed stars um with the moon applying to a planet that's not of the nature of the star it just changes its personality and sometimes you want that but sometimes you might not
1: huh and so okay that's interesting so each of the fixed stars also has like a it has like angels or spirits associated with them as well then
0: uh, I, be, I do believe some texts uh, associate them with specific, like, like name specific uh, spirits, but I'm not super familiar with that now. Okay.
1: Um, so then due to the procession of e- equinoxes, procession of the equinox, I guess there's only one equinox. Um, <laughs> equinoxes,
0: all of them, they're all moving. <laughs> uh,
1: some of the stars have shifted um, hmm. the... I guess a zodiacal sign that they're assumed that they're associated with. Uh, I don't think a whole lot of them, but because it's only been like a few degrees, but there have been some that have just like straight up moved into a different sign. Does that, right. does that change their nature? Or do you kind of ignore the signs when you're looking at uh, fixed star elections?
0: Um, I don't think it changes anything about them really. Um, Cause in living memory, you know, talking about it. So the fixed stars move um, about one degree, Uh, throughout the zodiac every 72 years so that's kind of how long we're we're talking like literally within the span of a lifetime they'll move with one degree and that's it so very very slow but in living memory we've actually had one change regulus um moved from leo to the beginning of virgo in 2012 ish um but no i don't think it's changed anything about them um so I guess that's just a flat answer there. Like, no, I don't really think it's changed anything. <laughs> no, I think that's interesting.
1: <laughs> I th- I kind of want to use that to launch into our next discussion. Sure. Um, which is the lunar mansions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the lunar mansions, so the moon, you know, He's
0: going to try time. to trap me here, you guys.
1: I'm not going to try to <laughs> trap you. I honestly have some questions. We, we have talked about this before, and, and I've talked to other uh, astrological magicians about it before, and nobody seems to have come up with a... Um, a good answer to these particular questions. However, uh, you have done more work with lunar mansions than most astrological magicians. So that's how I got started with
0: my, with my astro magicling is lunar mansions. So yes, I think we're good friends.
1: Yeah. I think my (laughs) second talisman was a lunar mansion talisman. Um, but, uh, but so, so the, the lunar mansion. So I guess for, for those of you listening at home, which I assume is everybody, but you and I, uh, The lunar man- the the moon goes all the way around the earth and passes through the entire you know circle of the zodiac once every like twenty eight ish days and 27.3. 27.3. Yep. and um and so the lunar mansions are uh, twenty eight divisions of the zodiac which are or twenty eight divisions of the uh, ecliptic which mm-hmm. are unique to the moon mm-hmm. um but and we have names of them that seem to tie them to zodiacal things or sometimes fixed stars or, or mm-hmm. all of the stuff. But because of the precession of the Zodiac, uh, none of those names or fixed stars really match up anymore.
0: Right. Yeah, that is true. That is a, that is an issue. So yeah. the lunar mansions, as you say, um, divisions of the Zodiac into 28, uh, at least according to the Arabic and Chinese traditions, uh, the Yodish tradition in India does 27. Um, but yeah, um, some of them, uh, like the fourth lunar mansion, uh, is called Aldebaran, uh, which is the name of, of a very uh, prominent fixed star, one of the 15 Bohemians. Um, and yeah, Aldebaran the star is no longer in Aldebaran the mansion uh, because of procession of the equinoxes in a tropical zodiac.
1: And so what are you going to do? I, I don't know what you're going to do. That's That's <laughs> kind of my question because we get this, so, so the the signs of the zodiac are, um, are kind of based on the motion of the sun across the yes. sky, uh, mm-hmm. and in particular, you know, they're they're all keyed towards like the the first degree of Aries, um, being the the moment you know starts at the moment of the vernal yeah vernal equinox, um, and I'm just sort of curious, like, w- you know, books like the Picatrix tell us over and over again. Or maybe not over and over again, as we were discussing before. It probably says it twice uh, that yeah. the that the moon is super essential. Like the moon is where all of the mojo kind of filters down. Yeah, filters the, down here. Yeah, mm-hmm. down here. Um, is it fair to the moon that we <laughs> base the lunar mansions on the movement of the sun?
0: Well, I mean, we base everything else off the movement of the sun, so uh, I don't see. I don't okay. see why not. All right. Um, but I mean, you've got because even if we didn't, I, I think it's an interesting question because in the Arabic and Yodish traditions, we have absolutely done that because anytime you're going to measure, anytime you measure any sort of celestial phenomenon based off of the ecliptic, then you're, then you're measuring it based off the motion of the sun, right? Right. Um, But that's what makes the Chinese tradition of lunar mansions a little bit more interesting because while there is significant overlap between the Chinese and the Arabic and Yodish traditions, there are places where they deviate. And that's because in the Chinese system, they have just followed the motion of the moon. And there are times where she goes kind of up above the ecliptic and down below the ecliptic. Like she doesn't, she's not set right on it like the sun is who, you know, is what we set it on. Right. Um, so there are some, so there are a lot of mansions in the in the Chinese tradition that are based off of like the exact same stars. Um, and then there are others that are based off of different stars that are kind of more above or below the ecliptic because they followed specifically the path of the moon. Huh. So yeah, like the Chinese have done it kind of like, uh, as far as I'm aware, like a, like a pure lunar kind of considerations, but the Arabic and the Yoda tradition have kind of filtered that into uh, the ecliptic to some extent.
1: Okay, and that's that's interesting. So I believe that the uh, above and below ecliptic lines of the moon are the the tropics of Cancer and Capricorn, right?
0: Oh, I don't know. I'm not. I don't know. It sounds right. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> you sounded really confident when you said it. So yes. Cool, cool.
1: Let's. Uh, I mean, every, I guess we should probably look that up on Wikipedia at Wikipedia point. But I, I believe that's.
0: But it is like the
1: the moon uh, goes north and south of the ecliptic. Uh, you know, faster than the other planets, and mm-hmm. and pretty broadly. Um, Yeah well I mean
0: that's with her nodes You know like wherever the node is Is the point where she starts to go up or down
1: Right right or that's when it's crossing the ecliptic Right yeah yeah. so when she
0: crosses one she's Starting to go up and when she's crossing the other she's starting to go down
1: um, and also the, the moon uh, is the fastest moving planet in the sky, but the speed changes. So you also yes, watch slightly. for that, right? So it's not mm-hmm. always... So the moon can spend more time in some mansions than others mm-hmm. over the course of a month, which is yeah, absolutely. kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah,
0: going back before we go forward. So lunar mansions, kind of as we said, are these divisions of the ecliptic into in the Arabic in um, Yoda's traditions, 28, to kind of signify um the moon's motion throughout the zodiac like it takes her roughly 27.3 days to go all the way back around um so the mansions are then these divisions based on her motion with the idea being that each night she'll spend it in a different mansion and they're sort of conceptualized as like these little in houses that the moon stays in it's kind of like this idea that like it's not your destination but you have to sit there uh and kind of like wait it out like kind of like how you would Maybe stop at a motel on your way to Disney World, kind of a thing. Um, and so these mansions were given these different names um, based on what we can tell um, to either different asterisms or indicator stars that she would be kind of close to while she was here. Um, so, like Aldebaran, like I said, was one. Um, <clears throat> and then others are based off of like uh, Albutain, which is in the belly of Aries. Um, just and then all these different uh, there's the covering uh, and the ostriches, like some English names of some of these mansions, because these are like asterisms of these that were near uh, these places. Um, and so. Back in the day, when the tropical and the sidereal zodiacs were more aligned, um, it wasn't a big deal. Uh, Mm. The mansions all were said to start from like zero degrees Aries and it wasn't a big deal. Like everything, everybody was fine. Everybody lived in peace and you know, the world was prosperous. But then as we have advanced into this age where the uh, tropical and sidereal zodiacs are longer aligned, they're off by 24 degrees ish. um, The stars or the asterisms that were said to be that, that that the lunar mansions are named after um, are no longer there in the tropical Zodiac. So like Aldebaran, like I said before, the fixed star Aldebaran is no longer in the mansion of Aldebaran. And so, as you say, you know, what, what happens then? What do you do then? Um, And I think that that is an interesting question. And one that I probably um, have just like noped out of to an extent, because part of it is like, I use, I use tropical lunar mansions in my practice because I'm a tropical astrologer. Right. And so I feel like if I'm going to use kind of one system of measurement and meaning and symbolism, then I should be consistent with it, like throughout the whole thing. Uh-huh. But there are people who utilize sidereal measurements and things like that. And I think that's totally fine. Um, but when we talk about, you know, what do you do in this situation? How do you like fix this problem? Um, there's actually like, it's one of those issues that I think is more complicated than people maybe realize, um, because, you know, to ask that question, you have to ask a whole bunch of questions first, like how many lunar mansions should there even be? Because while the Arabic and Chinese traditions have said, okay, the moon moves 27.3 days to come back to the same degree in the Zodiac, that point we'll just give it an extra day and we'll divide it into 28 sections. We're done. The Yodas tradition is like, no, 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 27.3, we round down. And now there's 27 mansions. Mm -hmm. Um, So even in like a very basic, like even a very basic construction, if you have different uh, amounts of mansions, then mansions are different sizes. Stars might not be in them. So we're already at a problem. Like right from the beginning, we have a problem.
1: Right, right.
0: Um, And then you have to ask your question. Okay, so in the Western tradition um, and in the Yodas tradition, from what I'm aware, I'm not 100%. I'm not super well-read on the Yodish tradition, so I, I'm going to try not to talk about it at very much just so I don't say anything wrong. Um, but those mansions are equal in size. Like Each mansion in the Western tradition is 12 degrees and 51 minutes. And then in the Yodish tradition, they're 13 degrees-ish and some odd. Um, so they're different sizes, and, but they're all equal sizes. But in the Chinese tradition, they're all unequal. And some, some mansions are very tiny and other mansions are pretty large. Um, and then, but even crazier, um, there's some lingering branch in the Western tradition of an unequal lunar mansions. And we find it. Yeah. 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 And we find it in like the most ridiculous place, like 17th century English astrologer, William Ramsey in his book on, uh, Uh, in in his book, restoring astrology or astrology restored in his section on elections, he talks about the lunar mansions uh, and he lists them all, but they're all unequal in size. So just like all of a sudden, some like (laughs) all of a sudden, some 900 years later, it's like, Hey, here's this, here's this like weird branch of unequal mansions in Western in the, in the Western tradition. So And that's important because if you're going to have equal mansions, well, those indicator stars or asterisms are not equally spread out around the night sky. And that's where you get those unequal divisions to where some are very, very close to each other. And I have a graphic um, that I've been working on because I've kind of been thinking about this topic for a bit to utilize um, as a YouTube video for one of my instances where, like, I don't have any good elections to talk about for that lunation period or anything like that. Um, I was going to talk about this because I made a graphic um, with the lunar mansions in the uh, Western Arabic tradition, but corrected for procession and the indicator stars kind of listed out around it and like six or seven indicator stars, even if we put everything in a sidereal framework, do not fall in their lunar mansions. So it never matched. So it never matched in the beginning. Oh, Um, I feel
1: like you just (laughs) sort of reverse trapped me. (laughs)
0: Problem solved. We did it. Um, and so, so yeah, like there's a lot of, that's why I said, like, it's kind of more complicated than that. We have to ask a lot of questions about what we mean to measure something, uh, and like how we're going to do that because kind of like, you know, kind of just like, even with the Zodiac, you know, taking a step back to look at like a more solar thing, even with the Zodiac, when we standardize the Zodiac signs as 12 signs of 30 degrees, it's basically the same thing that we did with the lunar mansions because those constellations up there that the zodiac signs are named after, they're not all equal.
1: No, that's true.
0: <laughs> so we kind of did the same thing with the lunar mansions and we were just like, oh, it doesn't matter. And I think that's very interesting um, because it kind of separates the lunar mansions as entities from the fixed stars in a way that I think personally is very powerful and very meaningful. Um, because I think what happens is... And I'll probably get pushback for this for some, from some people, and that's fine. Um, but I think what happens with this idea that like, the fixed stars, or like that the lunar mansions are based off the fixed stars, is kind of like we, we create this kind of imaginary reality where the lunar mansions are just kind of like copy-pastes of what the fixed stars are supposed to do or kind of like what they can do. Yeah. And I, like, you don't see that. Like if you like read through the lunar mansions and like their powers and you like fix that on like what the, like the star that they're associated with and some constellational imagery with that, you don't seem to find a lot of overlap there. Um, or so like I can give you two really great examples, I think. The first one is the 18th lunar mansion, which is called Kalb, And it is related to Antares, the star in the heart of the scorpion um and al-kalb is a star that is um I'm sorry al-kalb is a mansion whose one of its powers is specifically to um heal illnesses specifically in the belly which is weird if this is a star like if this is a mansion that's associated with the heart of a constellation right so like i think that's strange and then one mansion back you have um the mansion i guess one mansion forward the 19th mansion al shallah Uh, which is associated with stars in the sting of the scorpion. Um, This one is, I think, really cool because it is specifically about uh, female reproductive health Uh and, like, female issues. Um, So it's, like, specifically for female uterine health, for protection during childbirth, for correcting menstrual cycles. Like, these are its magical applications. But if, like, the sting of a scorpion that's like a super male sexual sign or like imagery or symbol. Right. So like, there's this kind of weird disconnect there to where I think that if we kind of take this step back from the lunar mansions are supposed to be related to the fixed stars that we can really kind of pull a lot of like own like unique personal um, characteristics or personality out of the mansions. If we kind of like take a step back, cause it seems like that's what's been happening anyway.
1: Yeah. I see what you're saying. And and through the and through this discussion, i i have come to uh, i've come to really swing around to your point of view. Um, yes. <laughs> well, I think I think a big part of it was like uh, your explanation of the fixed stars, and uh, you know, at the in the first half of the podcast where we talked about like how you elect for them and what you do to kind of like harness their power, and sort of the theory of of uh, of how like the moon is responsible for you know getting their influence down to us or being sort of like the communication between us and, and Mm. them. Um, You don't need that again with the lunar mansions. The lunar mansions (laughs) should be just about the moon. It's almost like you should be. Yeah. It's almost like the, the lunar mansions are, are influences that operate only in the lunary sphere. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the fixed stars themselves are way out in like, yeah, they're like up there somewhere. Yeah. The eighth sphere, like they're beyond, they're beyond Saturn. They're like, Mm -hmm. they're like the, Abstract weird stuff way out there. Um so yeah, I guess I'm kind of uh I'm I'm reevaluating that. I'm I guess uh uh I agree
0: with you. I agree. <laughs> yes. I agree. So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's a really fun question. Um and um I just use the tropical measurements just because I'm a tropical astrologer. Um, and I don't think the lunar mansions need to be tied to the fixed stars or to their original like indicator asterisms, um, just because they seem to be their own thing. Like they have their own unique, um, powers or like things associated with them, uh, to where there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of overlap Mm -hmm. with the fixed stars. And I'm sure there is some, um, like Aldebaran, the fourth lunar mansion is supposed to be for like the, uh, the generation of anger. Which is something that I could see like Aldebaran the fixed star being about. Like, that seems like a pretty angry star. So there's some overlap, but like for most of it, there doesn't seem to be a lot of it. And then like the fixed stars never seem to super matter uh, as far as like measuring lunar mansions anyway, because the uh, indicator star for the 28th mansion is like three degrees away from the indicator star from the first lunar mansion. And they're both right in the middle of the first lunar mansion. And it's just like, I mean, yeah, you can, so like really the only, it's one of those things where it's like, if you really wanted to get super technical with your calculations, you would have to use like a constellational unequal version of the lunar mansions. And I think that's totally fine if that's what you want to do. But then that just means that there's some lunar mansions that are going to be like two or three degrees wide that you'll probably never really get to experience. Um, which might just just be like
1: super, super fast. You have to be a speedy ritualist (laughs) really fast,
0: really (laughs) lucky. And that just might be like another way that kind of like that lunar, uh, that lunar kind of mutability manifests in the mansions, you know, like having something like super standardized and structured, that's very solar, but having something that's more like that's more changeable and a little bit more wild, we'll say that's a lot more lunar. So I can see it either way. But it's just, like, I want to be able to, like, experience all, all the mansions. So I'm going to need them all equal. And that's just <laughs> me being very selfish. And maybe that's not how it's supposed to be, which is, I guess that's something out to reflect on. But I
1: feel like if we weren't supposed to be selfish, we wouldn't have been created so selfishly.
0: I really appreciate that. <laughs> I, really, I appreciate <laughs> that endorsement.
1: Yeah, just lean into it. <laughs> uh, let me ask a little bit about um, kind of, like, practical use of fixed star uh, talismans and lunar talismans so when uh, I suspect that most people when they're doing astrological magic are mostly doing planetary talismans uh, I think that's what people
0: think of first okay. and those are sort of like your big boy talismans like yeah. they're really rare they're kind of like special holidays they're really okay. rare you can only get them at so often and there are some that you can't get for a very long time like once Saturn leaves Aquarius we're gonna have to wait 21 years until Saturn comes back into Libra it's sign of exaltation to really have any good potent you know like grade a Saturn talismans
1: my wizard beard is gonna be so long so day. long by
0: then <laughs> um so and kind of like the same thing with Jupiter once it gets out of can't like once it moves through Pisces in a little bit well next year um we'll have to wait like six years before it gets into cancer uh, and then like another six or whatever until it gets into Sagittarius so there's so that's kind of planetary talismans there's these There are these really, uh, rarer things, Mm -hmm. um, that require a lot of moving pieces to come together. So yeah, absolutely. I do think that's what people think of a lot when they think of astrological magic. Um, but with lunar mansions and fixed stars, since they're more lunar oriented, all we really need is for the moon to get to a certain place in the Zodiac. Well, heck we get a shot at that every 27.3 days.
1: So then, you kind of—they're sort of like your everyday go-to.
0: They're much more practical, okay. And what you're trying to do, um, because yes, there are you know 27 mansions and 15 fixed stars that all have these like diverse powers, but there's a there's a decent amount of overlap like there you have like your healing stars and your healing mansions that'll be for people who want to you know improve their health or are feeling sick and want to recover from that and there's like that whole category and then there's like the financial gain uh talismans for people who want to like grow their business or you know get a a raise at work or whatever that is and then you have like the uh like the the, I call like the honors from authority stars, which are like, you want to get a promotion. You want somebody in your field to notice you. Um, and so it's like any sort of thing that you might need, there is a star or a mansion that can help you. And because we have a distant, a, dis, a decent amount of overlap between what these, like in a lot of cases, what they can do, it's like, you might have 28 and 15, but then out of those, there are like nine, Mm-hmm. that can do the thing that you need and then it's just find the next best like find the best time coming up that's practical for you to do a, a a chart for that or to do a ritual for that to make that talisman which is much easier to do than waiting 21 years for saturn to get back into libra
1: that makes a lot of sense um so when you're so a lot of these, uh, like lunar mansion talismans tend to be aimed at like one really specific purpose. Then you might do a lunar mansion talisman to be like, I want a promotion in this specific job, or I want mm-hmm. to, you know, pay rent this specific month or something of that nature.
0: Yeah. 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 They're, they have, yeah. Lunar mansions tend to have like, in, from like one to four things that they do very well.
1: And then, so when you, uh, when you make these talismans, what, do you tend to make them out of paper or what do you make them out of?
0: I make mine out of paper. Yes. Um, or yeah, yeah. yeah. Primarily paper. Um, that's for lunar mansions for fixed stars. I make candles more candles. Yeah. I make talisman candles because I like the idea of like the flame Uh being symbolic of the star.
1: Oh, I like that. Do you, uh, like, tell me what else do you do? like, are there other material ingredients you use? Are the candles specific colors? Are they made out of specific yeah. things? Like
0: Yeah. Yeah. you want me to go get one?
1: Yeah. I'd love to see one.
0: Okay. One second. Hold All on. All right. I'll- Please hold. Okay. Please hold. All right. So I brought two because I couldn't pick one. That was my favorite.
1: Okay. That sounds good.
0: That sounds good. So the first one I bought, I brought is our goal. I brought an our goal candle. Oh, this way for the camera. Uh-huh. And our goal is black because it just seems black to me in my head when mm-hmm. I think about our goal. And, yeah, it's just a candle. Um, Algol's materials, you can kind of see in there,
1: oh, yeah. are, so um... Yeah, it's a glass jar candle with a lid. With yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Um, but, yeah, Algol's materials are mugwort and black hellebore, and so you can see some mugwort there, mm-hmm. and there's, like, black hellebore seeds in it. And then, <laughs> unfortunately, um, Algol's stone <laughs> is diamond, so there's, like, $50 of, like, tiny black diamonds in here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so there's, like, a... That's a thing. Um... So, yeah, there's my goal one. And you can see I haven't used it very much because mm-hmm. like our goal makes me a little uncomfortable, um, which is you'll have different relationships, different experiences with stars. Our goal just a little like um, I have an angular Jupiter natally. <laughs> so, like <laughs> aggressive protective talismans are just like, I don't know, guys, that's a little heavy handed. Maybe just like <laughs> maybe we just are nice and send them away with like a cookie or something. Um and then I have Alfeca here, which is another fixed star, which is for like, uh, um, it's one of my, uh, it's one of the, like, it's like a relationship repair star. Um, uh, it's more about like relating with other people or like being good in art. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, I, for some reason I think of it as like a lavender color. So the candle's kind of a lavender. Um, and like, you can see some of the material in there. Right. Right. Um, Alfeca is Rosemary, Ivy, trifoil, and, uh. Topaz. And I was hoping that I could see some of the Topaz on the bottom, but you probably won't be able to. There's one right there. Okay. Oh,
1: so you actually like melted the wax into these. You did the whole deal.
0: Yeah. I'm a, and then, oh hey, quick plug. And then if you sign up for my Patreon, I often make these and give them out to patrons for free. So hey. Whoa. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm writing I'm taking a note. <laughs> yeah. If there's a if there's a good election, I'll I I usually will make like a, a batch of those for people who uh who want one. So oh, I have cool. a lot of fun with it.
1: Um, so the, the, but the colors are kind of like your own, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no source for colors. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I it's just whatever's in my head, uh, kind of whatever feels right. I'm
1: I mean, sure yeah. that's probably how a lot of these things started <laughs> too. But yeah. So
0: like, and some of it, like Gol being black, I don't know. It just seemed right. Like mm-hmm. that seems fine to me. Um, but so what, what I mean by that is like, that one was just kind of random, like a random color that just felt right. But Alfeca, I chose this color. Uh, more specifically because um the one of the plants is rosemary and this is c- as close to the color of like a rosemary flower as i could get
1: okay okay that makes so sense. it
0: just so like sometimes i do things like that to where like i kind of try to match as quick as i like as closely as i can um but most of like 80% of like the of like the fix colors are just things that feel right in my head so do whatever you want it's
1: yeah fine. yeah and i guess uh, you know i mean those those are um those are pretty labor intensive candles since you're melting the wax and coloring mm-hmm. it and putting all the stuff in there. But for people at home making like uh, quick candles, they could just yeah, yeah. carve the yeah. symbol into a candle. That's and- true. Yeah, yeah, they could
0: absolutely do that. Yeah, yeah, on the top of my jars here, I've got like the the uh, the symbol for it. And yeah, you could absolutely just- carve uh, like carve that that sigil into uh, like a pre Ooh to like a pre-made candle, uh, and get like a very similar effect. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Oh, that's cool! Wow, I guess I hadn't really considered that. You know, you get so used to seeing people. Um, I mean, I'm I'm usually very uh, uh, embarrassed about sharing my astrological talismans because they are, you know, they are they tend to be pretty hacky, not oh. very pretty. Sort I mean, of things, that's but.
0: that's even like that's historical talismans too. So don't feel okay. bad. Like they are they're all terrible looking. Another oh, yeah. idea for people who don't want to go through all this trouble is like because a lot of the stars have like plant and mineral associations what you could do is you know if you already have a candle made like a pillar candle or whatever or a taper candle that you want to that you want to use um, during the election you can make like an oil of these herbs and stone like just like heat up an oil with these herbs and stone in it during the elected time and then use those later to like dress a candle
1: right right so
0: you can so like to- there's a lot you could do like you don't have to go all like, you know, um, nowadays kind of like the grade a talismans are like jewelry, right? Yeah. So it's like, if you're not a goldsmith, if you're not a silversmith, you just, you're just out of luck. But no, like there's a lot you could do. You can like, you, you know, people have been doing this for hundreds of years. There's really no wrong answer. That's it's cute. just whatever, like, well, I guess there are some wrong answers, but <laughs> like, and so far as like talismanic creation, like what you can do, like the vehicles for it, there's like so much that you can do. So just get, you know, get creative.
1: I think that's kind of one of the big um, lessons to take out of astrological magic in general is it is really a chance to be creative. Um, and one of the nice things about being able to make like uh you know, a candle talisman or a paper talisman is it's really easy to get rid of them. If they, yeah, if they work. go wrong, absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of why I like the paper like, not just because of like the kind of like, Oh, this didn't work out. Let's destroy it. But also just because like, When it comes to like those gold or those silver, those jewelry type talismans, which I think are amazing, they're so permanent and they're Mm -hmm. so like strong in their material, which they're supposed to be. But when we're talking about something like, you know, like lunar mansions or fixed stars, there's just something that I really love about like the impermanence and the fragility to those paper and candle talismans, because like once these are gone, they're gone. Right. So like right. we have like this sense of ending, like the sense of closing out, like the moon coming back to our same position in the zodiac. And it's just like, you know, you use it and then it's gone and it's served its purpose and you make another one the next time. And so like the same with like paper talismans, you know, they're very fragile. Um, so like you can keep it in like a relatively safe place and they'll last for a while, but they'll yellow, they'll degrade, you know, if you fold it up and you unfold it, it'll eventually get a hole. There's just like this real sense of like earthiness. I guess, to these uh, like to these particular methods, which is why I've kind of drawn to them. And then of course like anybody, everybody has paper and can draw a quick thing if right. they need to. So it's very accessible.
1: And I think there's a really interesting overlap there in uh, in other traditions of magic, you know like uh, you know like the spell work that witchcraft involves or or cunning work or stuff where there are really specific spells done for really specific things and there usually isn't like some sort of permanent thing right hanging out afterwards uh that's <laughs> cool that's super inspiring thanks for sharing your candles
0: <laughs> oh yeah of course i'm happy to happy to show off stuff every now and again uh
1: so if somebody was gonna do a fixed star talisman where should they start like is there a specific book they should get do you you include fixed star talismans in your um uh, in your new moon videos
0: yeah yeah absolutely so on youtube every new and full moon Um, I do, I I look for, I look ahead and I collect um, electional opportunities for different astrological talismans. Um, I center, like I explore three different locations um, that are more specifically focused on like the English speaking world, because that's the language that my videos are in. So like North American continent, Western Europe and Australia, um, I'll, I look for, I'll head for the two weeks there and find elections and I, and yeah, I share those uh, in, in videos every every new and full moon um so yeah you can always go and look there uh for the the two weeks ahead uh to see what you've got going on um but yeah as for like books um for fixed stars i mean i don't really know of a book that's specifically written for like fixed star work uh that i can think of but like for lunar mansions christopher warnock you had a minute ago has um uh, a good reference book yeah
1: yeah um
0: that i use all the time for like just to check this or that or whatever um and so i would go to that book for lunar mansions um but for fixed stars i don't think there i don't think there is a a fixed star equivalent of that book not that i'm aware of at least
1: where do you usually go to get your list of correspondences and stuff like is that in oh
0: yeah that's a uh. grippa
1: everybody's (sighs) already got Agrippa.
0: Yeah. So there you go. You've already got it. Yeah. 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 But yeah, Agrippa, um, for, uh, Marsilio Ficino has a section on it in his three books on life where he throws in a couple of extras for no reason, uh, and things like that. But yeah, so that's really fun. And fixed stars and lunar mansions have a lot of, uh, they didn't have a lot of overlap, but there's like something that's a little bit different about them, of course, because they're like these different kind of levels of entities and it's just like it's really interesting to like explore and experience. And there's still things that like uh that I'm figuring out or uh sort of like off book we'll say uh applications of the of the different like fixed stars order mansions that I tend to go on and on about in my videos when those come up. Um just because I think they're really cool. Uh but there's a lot of still like exploration and stuff to be had in uh, a lot of the in a lot of materials. Uh one I picked up on that I found. So like one of my other areas of interest is uh of course uh medical astrology and like the history of medicine and Greek medicine and things like that. So like the four humors I'm all here for. And um one of the more one of the interesting things uh in some of the star lists is that there are certain stars that are said to be like good for certain humors. Um so like you've got like Algorab which is for like the choleric humor and then Arcturus which is like for the sanguine humor and so like that's basically like keywords for like specific medical applications for, uh, these fixed star talismans. Mm -hmm. but there's no, there's on the 15 bohemian stars. There's no lists. Like there's no melancholic star and there's no phlegmatic star. So I have to go and like hunt down like these other two of the four humor stars. Like, where are you? Where'd you go? Why aren't (laughs) you on this list? Have
1: Have you found it yet?
0: I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. Hmm. So yeah, so yeah, the the, like, but like, so now I have like this mythologized like group in my head of like the four humor stars, and where could the other two have gone? And
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I'm sure they're. It would surprise me if they weren't in Agrippa, but it's it could be tough to track down.
0: (sighs) Yeah, and then like, there's only 15 in this list, and why only 15? We're not sure. Uh, That's just the only ones that got. I don't know. Right. Kept around and. Who knows? So yeah, there's definitely room there for, so I say that, I guess one to get to nerd out a second about my four humor stars. Um, but also um, to point out that like, as you read some of this material, if you choose to, you know, go from here and go read the Warnock book or, you know, Agrippa and stuff like that, a lot of the um, like powers or personalities or characteristics of the like the lunar mansions or the fixed stars are very short. It's just like, here you go. Like they just do this, um, so in a lot of cases it can feel very confining uh-huh. uh, or very limiting for what like lunar mansions and fixed stars can do. Um, but then as you like work with them and as you experiment with them and as you kind of like extrapolate out some of these some of these characteristics or kind of like reinterpret them for the modern age, there's so much more mm-hmm. that they can do um, that it's just like really I don't know it, it's it's really fascinating. To not only get to experience it myself, but also get to like hear other people's stories about like similar experiences that they've had that aren't necessarily like on book, or uh, like or completely different experiences that I've had. And I'm just like, okay, what does that election look like? That sounds bad. <laughs>
1: um, are there are there fixed stars that you have? Well, aside from uh, Algol, I think we talked we talked about the the that's the Medusa star, the severed mm-hmm. head um Mm -hmm. are there other ones that you just sort of like stay away from
0: um no not well so i only i feel like that was a little i i do not prefer algol's methodologies because i'm more of like a gentle spirit Mm -hmm. (laughs) personally um but there are a lot of instances where i think algol is super great for people to utilize like i don't mean to like say algol's not good or that like, I don't like our goal. Like I like our goal and I recommend our goal a lot, especially to women, um, especially to trans individuals, uh, people who feel like they are like people who are in more like myself is like a cis white man. My level of safe, like my sense of safety is very high, even though I am gay, Mm -hmm. like my sense of safety is very high. So I don't worry too much about it. Um, So like for me, I have the, uh, the, privilege to be able to utilize softer protective stars that fit more with my character right um but not everybody's like that and everybody is lucky like that and some people do live in the like in certain situations to where they feel more at risk like my mother lives by herself after my father died so i worry about her a lot and that's why the that's why the alcohol candle got burned at all was for my mother uh uh-huh. so um so absolutely, if you know, I don't mean to come out hard on our goal or that, anything like that. There are there are many people in this world who do very well with our goal talismans, and that's exactly what they might need. Myself, not so much. Um, so I don't I don't want it to come across as like I stay away from this star, I don't recommend this star. Absolutely fine. It's just I I have options where I can utilize other ones. Um, but uh, insofar as like stars that come with like asterisks or warning labels, I guess we could say that might not be suitable for all consumers. Um, Aldebaran is another one that I think is kind of tough. Um, and just because it's very forceful, um, cause it's like in the eye of the bull. So it's like, Hey, here's this bull coming at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might just be too forceful for what people want or like what people need. It doesn't, it's just like really kind of like high volatile energy that doesn't really sit right with everybody. Um, so Aldebaran is usually one that I give an asterisk to, um, who else? And out of the Bohemians, I think that's really it.
1: All right, that's good news.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to. Th- I'm just like, is there anybody I forgot? Yeah, I think that's really it as far as like the ones that I'm like, hey, this is, these might be, this might be a bit much.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, this has been really interesting. Uh, I, I remember our last podcast conversation where we started to get into like the, you know, ancient Greek theory of optics and how it influences. <laughs> <Yeah. stuff. laughs> uh, but this all seems like really this is much more actionable and practical for people so i'm really glad that you were able to share all this stuff um mm-hmm. so thank you can oh, you yeah can you uh, tell people where to find you on the internet yeah so i'm active
0: on twitter just at, at my name at ryan butler just I'm pretty active there there's my a website.
1: extra h in there so just stick the h yeah, in somewhere much, and yeah. you'll probably just, you and just it'll
0: probably come up um And then of course, uh, you know, my website, if you want to read some of the stuff that I've written about astrology, (laughs) 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 about this, about astrology, uh, I do have a page where I go uh, and kind of list out a lot of the, uh, information that you would need for lunar mansion talismans. Um, and then I have like a quick paragraph at the end where I talk about some of my experiences with them, some of my failures, uh, with them. Uh, and just sort of like some of the thing I should probably go back and update that a bit. Cause I have some more stories now, um, and just stuff like that. So that can be a really great place to go if you're interested in lunar mansions at all. And, um, you know, think that if you have an issue that you would like help with, uh, then yeah, definitely go to there on my website and, uh, and look through that. Cause I'm sure there's one that you'll, that you'll find that'll be great. Uh, and then my YouTube channel, um, which is medieval astrology guide as well uh, where I, every new and full moon, uh, I post my magical elections videos for people to go and look. And, um, so because I only do, I, since I only look at charts from three specific locations, of course, if you're not at those specific locations, you're going to have to like change your chart, uh, to, to find the best one. So that's kind of like the disclaimer there. Um, and of course, I'm happy to help you relocate those uh, if you need it. And I did a video on how to relocate them as well. Um, and then aside from that, I do a bunch of different uh, video essays, which I have one on fixed stars also, Genie of the Sky to check out um, if you're interested at all about fixed stars and their applications in, uh, in astrology and magic. And I actually had uh, another astrologer, Nina Griffin, uh, help me with that one. She has like a like an eight minute sex segment in that video where she talks about, uh, her experiences with, uh, fixed stars and natal charts and stuff.
1: Excellent. I will make sure I, I took notes on all of that stuff. I will make sure that there are lots of, uh, links in the show notes so people can find you. Um, well, thank you for joining me again. This was excellent. I guess, uh, next time we're just going to have to talk about, uh, medical astrology since I know yeah. we, we'd sort of brainstormed about that one a little bit too. Yeah. And, uh, that's a big topic, and we it have is, to make sure very that we big. Have lots of disclaimers about how, like, please don't take our advice on anything. We're not doctors.
0: <laughs> no, not I'm here to yeah. tell you about historical applications, how they might be updated today. And mm-hmm. That's all I can do for
1: and, you. And where, to, and where to get leeches?
0: <laughs> no, I, I couldn't tell you where to get leeches now, but
1: yeah, me neither. I but I'm maybe pet, I guess uh pet
0: stores. Uh, well, you know, it's funny. You know, we say that as a joke, but there are like uh, sterile medical leeches.
1: Oh, that's true. I guess so. Uh, you, it, can yeah, from you can get somewhere. You could probably just buy them online at like the medicine shop. At the medicine store. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Arnamancy podcast. You can find me online at arnamancy.com, where you can schedule a tarot reading or peruse the Arnamancy blog. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. If you like this podcast, support it for just $1 a month through Patreon at patreon.com slash